Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast. My name is Jenny Helms, and I'm an emotional eating coach and marriage and family therapist. I help people address the roots of their disordered eating and body image issues. I'm Lisa Perkins, owner of Primal Transformations. I'm a certified personal trainer and precision nutrition coach. I use a paleo framework to help clients transform their health, body, and life. The Mind Your Body podcast is all about empowering you to live your best life. We aim to grow a community of empowered women who are ready to transform their health and lives using a real approach that is all about getting back in touch with ourselves and not fueled by self-loathing. This journey requires a healthy dose of humor, perspective, and self-compassion. Our goal for this podcast is to help you achieve sustainable results that you get to keep. Please remember, the following podcast is not intended to be a substitute or implied to be medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare provider when making changes to your diet and lifestyle. Welcome to the show. This is the Mind Your Body podcast, episode number four. So today we're going to be talking about how to decode the whole calories and macros thing. So to be perfectly honest, this isn't really a subject we were super excited to talk about just because this is something that is just so personalized. But we want to show you not only kind of how to set this up for yourself, but kind of some of the nuances around the subject. But first of all, I think it's really important for us to kind of have the disclaimer that this is for educational purposes only. We're not trying to give you any specific advice that if you have any health issues, you need to be working with a healthcare practitioner on this. So just, you know, take this for what it's worth. We're going to give you some really solid things to consider if, you know, you're trying to make some changes and really want to track some of these things. Yep, absolutely. So first we want to talk about calories. And I know that there's been a debate in the field, I feel like forever, and it's Mm -hmm. still ongoing, um, about whether they matter or not. And I think we're in the we're in the wheelhouse that they do matter, mm-hmm. right? But and there's a lot of nuances, right, right? And along with science, yeah. and we're there's a lot of nuances around that, sure. right? So not every calorie is necessarily absorbed equally. We're not going to necessarily go deep into the trenches with that, mm-hmm. but just to understand that we're all going to have different amounts of calories that are going to suit our body and how we use our daily energy levels. So mm-hmm. that's going to be something that is very personalized to each person, right? And so nuts and bolts, how do you figure out what the amount of calories are that are currently keeping you at baseline, for example? This is where an app like MyFitnessPal or Chronometer is going to be extremely helpful. So when I'm working with clients, I have them track their food without making any changes for three days. If they tend to eat differently on the weekend, I have one of those days be a weekend day. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get kind of a baseline of where they're starting. I am not a huge fan of going to these kind of calorie calculators online because they are so divergent. They're yes. going to give you such different advice. They are not taking into consideration, you know, your metabolism. Maybe you have a history of restricting calories for years. They're not taking it into consideration your hormonal profile, your right. energy expenditure. They're just kind right. of a blunt tool. We want to show you how to customize a plan that works for you. That's our overarching goal. Wouldn't you agree, Jenny? Absolutely. Is we are trying to help you become the expert on you to literally give you back the keys to your own life so that you can kind of 
be the scientists, kind of get curious and figure out, gosh, how much am I currently eating that's keeping my body, you know, kind of level right now? And then you can decide from there, if your goal is fat loss, do I want to decrease calories a little bit? Do I want to maybe up my activity a little bit? And think about all the lifestyle factors as well. We'll get into that. But calories do matter. Yes. I would argue that the quality of our food matters as much or more. Yes. That said, I have definitely seen people eating a really quote unquote clean paleo diet that are either not losing or gaining weight. Right. So you can be eating an extremely high quality diet and still gain weight. If you're putting butter on everything, eating fistfuls of nuts, granted, you're probably going to be healthier for sure. Absolutely. But if, again, today we're talking about you know, folks who maybe want to make some body composition changes. And so we've got to kind of get into the weeds a little bit, but always know that we're talking in the context of eating whole, real food by and large. Absolutely. Right. Not without being dogmatic about it, but by and large, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about setting up your calories and then filling that in with hot Cheetos. Right. So yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And Another part of food tracking that we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. together and even just in general, this is kind of our philosophy on it, is that it helps you keep integrity with yourself. We all, I mean, unintentionally kind sure. of lie to ourselves, whether it's if we're overeating or undereating or just how much we're eating mm-hmm. certain things. Yep. So tracking really helps us get real with that. Mm-hmm. I know that every time I've tracked, I've always been very surprised. Me even, too. you know, after I'm like, oh yeah, I've got all this together and I've, mm-hmm. I've figured this out and I've found some really interesting things about myself. Um, and also with my clients, like they, they think it's one way, right? Or they think things are going a certain way, but mm-hmm. when you track, you can't really lie to yourself. It's, the right. numbers are there and it keeps you accountable. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think that people are naturally trying to lie. No. It's just kind of being human that we make errors in judgment. We make errors in just becoming really aware and connecting the dots in our mm-hmm. brains of how much we're eating of what. Right. So and, and it keeps you real, real Honestly, I mean, we just don't really pay attention to that little square of dark chocolate or I'll just yeah. have a few nuts or whatever. I mean, it's just so easy to overlook, you know, maybe you had a glass of wine, but your glass is this, you know what I your mean? Your glass of wine is really right. So, so this is where, you know, you kind of have to get into the weeds. You know, yeah. you can eliminate, say you're trying to set a 200 calorie deficit based on your food tracking and you're not really paying attention very closely to portion size. You don't really know what a portion of ground beef is, mm-hmm. you know, so you're sticking it in my fitness pal is four ounces do you have any idea what four ounces looks like? This is where bringing in something like a food scale for literally like three days can be really helpful. Get a super inexpensive one on Amazon, a little digital food scale, just so you get a sense what portion sizes look like. And then, you know, get rid of that thing. We do not want to perpetuate any, you know, neuroses about this stuff. No, not at all. But literally, it's just for me, it's such an awareness thing. And it is a little check and balance on ourselves. You know, if, you know, it sort of could go one way or another, whether or not you're going to eat that second, you know, whatever it is, burger or have a cookie or something. And you kind of think to yourself, I'm going to be talking honestly. Do I want to put that cookie in there? 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just a little thing. It's not a shame thing, but it's just one of those little things. It's like on balance, it's not a big deal to not eat it. Yeah. And I so. think, you know, you're right. Like when you're making choices, you're, you feel like you're making them with more of a consciousness. That's it. That's tracking. it. It's not just it's like, a, I'm grabbing the, the cookies and yep. five seconds later, where are my cookies? Like, yeah. and I've, I've literally heard people talk about that. For like sure. this feeling of like, I was, I was driving and I was eating something. And then the next thing I know, like it was gone. I was like reaching for it again. And I had no I've idea. I've heard of other people eating. doing that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So been there for sure. Yeah, Which is sure. why, All you know, us. you know, this is a tangent, but just as just a side note, just a, the tiniest little strategies can make such a big difference. You know, Absolutely. if you're buying Jackson's Honest Sweet Potato Chips, you know, awesome. That's a great little condiment to have, you know, to make your meals taste better, have, you know, half serving or a serving of those. When you bring that bag home, you do yourself a favor and portion that bag out into little Ziploc bags five servings. And then you don't have to, you know, monitor yourself. I mean, it's just a little gift that you give to yourself. It's not being dogmatic. You could have a second bag if you want to. It's not like, you know, you're restricting yourself. But to me, it's like, oh, I don't even have to think about it. I can just know that I'm having what I intended to have. Yeah. And so from there, I mean, once you're figuring out where you're at, right, whether your your goal is weight loss, you know, you tweak it from there. Right. Whether you need to increase your calories, believe it or not, some people do. Some people are really surprised that they have to increase their calories. And yeah, I've even, I was literally talking to somebody the other day that was stuck at that last like 15 to 20 pounds. Yep. And they told me they were eating 1200 calories a day. Yeah. And for them, that was just not, that was not where they needed to be. They kind of killed their metabolism at that point. And their body was like, we are going to hang on to this last oh, yeah. 15 pounds. I will tell you that probably three quarters of my clients come in thinking they're overeating. And when I see their journals, yeah, maybe the food quality isn't there yet. Right. But the quantity is so much lower than yeah. they're thinking. And I've seen so many 1,200, 1,500 calorie or, you know, I, or I just meal, have a soup for lunch kind of situation. Absolutely. Like, no, and then and more. then they're wondering, they're thinking, oh my gosh, I have massive sugar addiction or sugar cravings, or I go home and quote unquote binge eat at night. And yes. I'm like, let's look at how little you ate during the day. Yes. Your body is going to send a signal to your brain yes. that it needs sustenance. So this is our opportunity, again, kind of going back up to the 10,000 foot view, what we're talking about today is your opportunity to build self-awareness around the signals your body is sending you, how to become the best version of yourself in a way that doesn't make you feel overwhelmed or stressed or anxious, taking a curious, empowered approach to this. There is no plan that you're going to be able to try to shove yourself into that's going to work for you 100%. Right. We are all so unique. Our histories are unique. So we want you to keep that in mind as we kind of go through, again, you know, some of the strategies, you know, that we're talking about today. And what Jenny's talking about is, and I've had to do this with clients, it's called the need to reverse diet. And you're literally like, if somebody comes into one of us, and they're eating 1200, 1500 calories, there's no way in good conscience that we're going to be able to create a caloric deficit. Right. No way. First of all, it's probably not even going to work. Right. Their body is just adapted. You know, our metabolisms there, I think there's kind of a misguided theory out there that, 
you can completely tank your metabolism, you can heal your metabolism. You can, your body is trying to protect you in every moment. Mm -hmm. And if year after year, you're eating fewer and fewer calories, your body is going to say, Hey, I love you. I'm slowing this shit down. I want to keep you alive. (laughs) You're going to have less energy output, maybe less sex drive. Your mood may be a little lower, but I'm going to keep you alive. Yes. Our body is not trying to work against us. It's trying to protect us. And we have to keep that in mind. That said, for these folks, what we have to do is very slowly and systematically increase their calories. And we do it slowly enough that we don't promote weight gain. Right. But what's fun to see is people's energy start to come back. So they're Mm -hmm. actually excited to get out and walk a little bit more. So they're not putting on weight. And sometimes they're even starting to lose weight. Yep. Because we're increasing food quality, we're increasing, we're basically helping the body relax. Right. We're saying everything is safe here. You don't have to hold on to every extra ounce of fat because there's a famine. That's why our bodies act the way they do. They've been over the course of human history, they've been trying to protect us during periods of famine. Mm-hmm. So our body doesn't understand that we're in this modern food environment where, you know, calories are available literally everywhere. So keep that in mind as we're thinking about calories that you cannot just keep cutting calories and thinking that your body is going to be like, oh, cool. I'll let go of these fat stores. That's awesome. That makes no biological sense. Yep. And the research, I mean, the research shows that. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And, and we've seen it in clinical practice. I mean, getting people, what we want to do is create a window so that there's actually room Once you've kind of built that metabolism back up, they're eating, you know, 1,800, 2,000 calories, which I'll tell you for so many women and for me for so long, that was a mind blowing number. Yep. It, I mean, that's how much I'm eating now, but I was one of those people that for years, I literally, this is all the way back to middle school. I would consider it a good day if I ate 800 calories. This is when I'm growing, right? So my history is long with this stuff. And I, at 49 years old, have dug out of this hole. I'm eating, you know, around, probably around 2,000 calories a day. I don't work out very much. I really don't. You know I don't. (laughs) And, you know, my body, my thyroid works again. I actually, I'm not, my hands and feet aren't cold anymore. My hair is growing. My body is relaxing into this sleep is better all of those things so we have to understand some of the biology behind what's happening you just can't keep cutting and cutting and thinking all good things are going to happen and you're going to get your you know abs showing or whatever yeah you're looking for yeah and I think that when people have been on this journey for a while with the yo-yo dieting that's Mm -hmm. their propensity is to go towards some of those lower numbers and it is it is scary we want to acknowledge that I know that this journey is going to be uncomfortable and a little scary at first while you're trying to figure that out but to have some patience Mm -hmm. and compassion for your body and for yourself as you're figuring it out because I mean ew ew I know that's a tough one it is it is is a tough one but it's the only way I mean I've I've tried all the other ways we 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 all have and it doesn't no no so it really doesn't I mean it's just so tempting to logically and this is what we've been taught for years 3,500 calories equals a pound of fat so 500 calorie deficit I will have lost a pound of fat over seven days our body's not getting the memo 
on that. I mean, you could literally overfeed somebody by a bunch of calories and based on their genetics, their history with food, their metabolism will just heat up. They'll be hot and sweaty. They won't, they'll be fidgeting and they'll just burn off those extra calories. Somebody else, maybe more sedentary, whatever, their metabolism is in a different place. They're going to store. So this is where we're helping you create the tools and awareness and strategies to become the expert on what's working for your body. For you. You're yep. paying attention. And I'll tell you, laying the groundwork, doing doing this work will set you up for this. No, you won't have to track for yeah. very long. Yes. You will have an ease with this over time. Yes. Just like with any new thing, you got to kind of pay attention for a little while and have it be, you know, maybe a little more, you know, clinical. Right. For a little bit, but viewing it clinically and being interested. It's like, I, you know, most of us have been at war with our body for our whole life and trying to follow somebody else's plan. Then when it doesn't work, we fall off it. It's too restrictive. Mm -hmm. Then we, you know, flip flop the other way and kind of go crazy. We get frustrated, go to the shame cave. Then we go back to uber restrictive. I mean, it's just like, okay, enough. Like maybe if I was more restrictive, right? It's almost right. like you're, you're going harder into that wall. Yeah. So I mean, the default that. is almost always lower, like mm-hmm. lower calories, you know, it just, if that way worked, I mean, has that worked for you? That's what I would ask. I encourage you to ask yourself, is that paradigm working for you? Has it worked? Maybe it worked once or twice when you were, you know, 20. And so we always kind of go back to those days. Mm-hmm. Well, our bodies are always changing. So yes. this is where assess where you are right now. This is a new day. Let's figure out what's working for you. So calories matter. The quality of your calories matter as much or more. Yeah. And you need to start paying attention to, you know, what's working for you. The food timing that's working for you, the types and size of meals making sure, you know, we'll talk about macros, but making sure that you're customizing your plate in a way that feels really satisfying, not just physically, because food is not just fuel. We are emotional, all emotional eaters, every one of us, because we are human. Yes. Being an emotional eater is not a bad thing. (laughs) That means that, yeah, you're a member of the human race. So yes. So what do you think, Jenny? Should we move on to macros? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about protein. I know that for myself, I was under eating protein for a long, long time. And I think that this is typical for most Americans. Mm -hmm. Now, again, this is not everyone. Women. um, But women, yes, we typically will under eat protein. Mm -hmm. And so what you're going to want to kind of aim for is somewhere in the ballpark of 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per pound of weight that you are. And this is especially if your goal is fat loss. Now, Mm -hmm. for longevity over the course of your life, if you get your body composition where you want it to be, and maybe you're not an athlete, you know, maybe you don't need quite this much protein, but I'll tell you, this is a magical number. 0.8 to one gram per pound of body weight is going to help you feel full. It's going to send a signal to your body to hold on to lean muscle mass, even as you're losing body fat. Yes. Because typically we're losing a pretty even ratio of muscle to fat when we're losing weight. Well, eating protein and getting some resistance training on top of that, even better, you are going to send a signal to your body that let's hold on to muscle mass. And remember that our muscle mass is our metabolic engine. 
Yes. You know, we'll burn more calories absolutely. the more muscle we have. Absolutely. So that's awesome. I know for myself, like I think the satiation part oh, is really me. important because when I've gone on diets in the past, and I think you know, with a lot of my clients, that that's the number one um, scare scare zone is when you get into this place of I don't feel like. I'm full or I feel hungry all the time. And that's an awful place to be. So we want to keep ourselves from feeling hungry all the time. And this was a thing that for me, I was like, oh, wow, I can eat like healthy foods and feel satisfied. A lot of protein. Yeah. Protein and, and fiber, but protein definitely was one of those things that when I, when I put it up in my diet, I was like, I feel like I'm eating a lot more food than I Mm -hmm. was before. But yeah, yeah, the, the magical effects of satiation Mm -hmm. are really important. Yeah. Yeah. So So for a woman, that's going to look like about a palm sized portion of protein with Mm -hmm. every meal. So that can look different. I mean, that can be eggs and maybe some breakfast sausage in the morning. And, you know, we're always going to want you to have lots of vegetables and fiber, whether this is a smoothie and a really good protein powder. I typically am recommending that folks aim for, you know, especially women, like about 30 grams of protein per meal. Mm hmm. That's a pretty good number if you, you know, you're not going to get into trouble, you know, with that number. And again, that's going to put you over something called the leucine threshold, which is a signal to your body to hold on to lean muscle mass, which is kind of interesting. It's That's kind of the nerdy science. But in addition, what Jenny was saying about the satiation factor, protein does send a signal to our gut, which sends a signal to our brain that we are full and satisfied. And so it is considered to be the most satiating macronutrient. So also protein is the building block. The amino acids and protein are the building blocks of our neurotransmitters. So serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, all the good things that make us feel happy. Yep. And amino acids are required for our body's detoxification process. So we are pretty strong proponents, I would say, for clean animal sources of protein. Yes. Right. Yeah. Grass-fed I mean, like, animals, pastured animals, wild-caught seafood. But again, if you can't afford to eat this way, recommending that you eat the leanest cuts possible because, you know, you want to avoid the fat of conventionally raised animals. Yes. But again, that's where we go back when we're talking budget. Let's reevaluate our priorities and make sure that, you know, that we're not prioritizing something frivolous over putting quality fuel into our, our into our body. I mean, it yeah. just really matters in terms of our health, both in the near and the long term and how we're feeling. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right, let's move on to carbs. Yeah, let's talk about carbs. That's, I feel like this is another one. area it where is. I feel like there's so much, mine. yeah, mm-hmm. there's so much debate around carbs. Um, yeah. And people, I think it's really trendy right now For sure. to not eat carbs. For sure. Right? Yep. And we are saying that carbs are important. And I know, again, people what? are going to be. <laughs> are you funded by the sweet potato industry? <laughs> yes. Okay. How did you I know? <laughs> no, but we are we are here to say carbs are important. And I, I know even like, you know, I am a bit more active than Lisa. And mm-hmm. I know that we've even talked about upping my carb intake. And it has made a huge difference in yeah. my ability to feel energized at the gym, to be happy, mm-hmm. to just live life with feeling more zest. I love it. Um, so going too low carb is not, it's not good long term. 
Now, I mean, you can probably speak more to the ketogenic diets and that mm-hmm. sort of thing if you want to briefly yeah. about why we're sure. not necessarily advocating any extremes. Right. Um, but we're saying that we don't really want you guys to fall below 100 grams of carbs. Yeah, that's it's a pretty good number. And again, we're not giving any specific recommendation. If you're somebody with type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, or you I think it's or, epilepsy as well. Like some of yeah, that, that would be was, like a ketogenic yeah, diet better, would you know would be, be therapeutic for that. For that. We're talking to the general population, and I'm especially now. This is an important distinction: talking about women who are in their childbearing years, mm-hmm. because this is where carbs are going to be really helpful. And okay. so we have to remember that in terms. So we have thyroid receptors on every cell in our body. Our thyroid is what runs our metabolism. So we need an insulin response from carbohydrates. Not to get too nerdy here, but we need that in order to convert inactive T4 thyroid hormone to the active T3 form that's going to actually give us energy and you know promote all kinds of bodily processes not just our fat burning so you know i think in general women feel a lot better they sleep better when they're in that around 100 grams of carbs. And again, it's going to totally depend on your activity level. If you are super sedentary, you're sitting at a desk all day, what carbs do, you know, in addition to promoting thyroid hormone is that they're great for quick energy. You know, if you're like what you do, which is CrossFit, you need that quick burning fuel. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I tried doing that kind of exercise on a ketogenic diet and that didn't go over that well. That did not go over well. So <laughs> yeah. But in addition, like some of the nerdier things that carbohydrates do, carbs are necessary for mucus production so people can get dry eyes. But even more importantly, we have a mucosal barrier in our gut lining that is very, very thin. And if that mucosal barrier is not there, you can get leaky gut which we know is the root cause of so many conditions, neurological conditions, autoimmune conditions, all kinds of things. So we want to make sure that we've got enough carbohydrate, you know, to keep that in place. And again, we got to go back to what carbs are we talking about? First of all, everything that's not protein and fat is a carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. So all the vegetables, all the leafy greens, all the fruits, Mm -hmm. these are all carbohydrates. That said, they are not dense sources of carbohydrates. We need all of those. We need them for fiber, for micronutrients. What we're kind of talking about is more dense sources. We're talking about root vegetables, you know, Mm -hmm. potatoes, carrots, beets, all of those things, Mm -hmm. white rice, fruit, you know, and the occasional gluten-free alternative. And if you are somebody who can tolerate and you're working out a lot, you can tolerate oats. Mm-hmm. you know, gosh, we need to figure out what works for us. Right. right? And right. so there are people that are working out a ton that potatoes maybe aren't going to cut it for the average person. I would really argue that operating within this template of root vegetables, white rice, and a little bit of fruit mm-hmm. is going to be plenty, Yeah, you know, in terms of carbohydrate sources. So, you know, just really keeping in mind that also carbohydrates are, they promote serotonin. So when I'm setting up a fat loss diet with clients, I'm typically having them push their carbohydrates to later in the day. Mm -hmm. You know, the bulk of their carbohydrates be 
you know, post-workout or dinner time so that they can start feeling more relaxed and, you know, moving into that sleepy time, you know, feeling ready to transition into bed. When you're having a big bolus of carbs first thing in the morning, you're blunting your cortisol response. We want cortisol. That's our get up and go hormone. We want cortisol to be higher in the morning. So we don't want a bunch of carbs to blunt that. This is where having, you know, protein, healthy fat, fiber in the morning, not only, you know, is it not going to blunt that response, but you're going to feel full and satisfied up until lunch and much less likely to be slumped over your desk or in line at Starbucks at 10 a.m. Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so that's a good consideration. Um, yeah, I, I don't really want to go too deeply into the whole ketogenic diet thing other than to say that a ketogenic diet is extremely therapeutic for things like epilepsy, for Parkinson's disease, for Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm-hmm. There are certain conditions for which it's kind of miraculous, to right. be honest, to right. have ketones. I also want to say that our natural human condition throughout history has been to cycle in and out of ketosis, mm-hmm. to rely on ketones for energy. We're in a mild ketosis every night when we're sleeping, mm-hmm. especially if there's been kind of more of a space. Maybe you finish dinner at 6 p.m., you know, by maybe 3 a.m., you're starting to produce some ketones in your liver because what ketones do is maintain a you know, good energy levels in your brain, level energy. So our Mm -hmm. body has a really good kind of thermostat for how to do that. So a ketogenic state is not unnatural for our body. I would argue based on my experience and what I've seen and the research, and boy, I dig deep into the research, Mm -hmm. is that most people do not do well in on a ketogenic diet over the long term. So if you're going to do it, see how you feel. Maybe you're not doing a lot of glycolytic work like CrossFit or sprinting. Maybe do that for a couple of weeks and then cycle back out and bring some carbs back in. Mm-hmm. Again, this is all experimentation. But when I did a ketogenic diet, you know, it was pedal to the metal. When I started to not feel good, started to lose my energy, what did I do? I just tried to do it harder. I'm like, right. maybe I'm not producing enough ketones. Mm-hmm. so you know, more fat, even less carbs. So yeah, it took me about a year and a half to dig out of that. And I'm not saying that that's everyone's experience. You know, some women do absolutely fine and you may be one of them, but you know, based on what I've seen, I think, you know, being lower carb, we don't need to be standard American diet carb. I think the average American eats about 400 grams of carbs, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or more a day. So we're talking about you know, 100, 200 grams. I mean, if you're super active, you need more. Yeah. Be logical. You know, look at your own life. We wanted to address both extremes. Absolutely. We don't want people to go into the extreme of obviously eating too many carbs and not getting their healthy sources of of fats and proteins, which honestly, I think will be hard if you are eating the right amounts that we're kind of recommending. It's going to be really tough to get that many carbs into your diet. So um, oh, I don't think it would be tough to get that many. I, well, it would not be on, tough for me. It depends Let on me what, tell you. what carbs you're eating, right? So we mm-hmm. were also going to hit on the fact that, you know, when we're talking about this, we're not talking about increasing processed foods or baked goods or Pop-Tarts or that Perfect. sort of thing. I know that I've, and even in, in my own, um, I do more of a performance-based workout. 
And I know a lot of people, they've thought, okay, it's only macros and I'm going to have a pop tart after right. I work out. Right. And, you know, we, we also aren't really advocating that either because we know that that's not really healthy long-term and it's not going to feel even healthy and it's not even healthy short term. No. But I mean, I'm going to give grace to yeah. some people because oh, I, sure. I get that like, yeah. you know, after a hard workout, you're wanting to eat some sugary yeah. things. Um, but we're trying to say these are the really quality source carbs that you should be eating, especially if you're very right. active. Right. And, and in another podcast, yeah. we'll go into maybe some pre and post workout nutrition strategies that can trigger muscle protein synthesis and, you know, recovery and all of that. We can talk about that at another time. But right now, we're just trying to give you the basics of understanding that there are nuances within carbohydrates that there are carbohydrates that are extremely beneficial for your health mm-hmm. that are going to help you lose body fat. Right. I will tell you that if you're eating ultra low carbohydrates, 30, 40 grams of net carbs, is that triggering obsessiveness for you? Is that Mm. making you less able to go to sleep at night? Are you feeling more anxious and stressed? You know, this is where we have to be paying attention. You know, how is this, the way I'm eating affecting me? How is it affecting my mood and my sleep and my sex drive and all of those things? pay attention, mm-hmm. you know, and then subtly tweak. So that's what we're offering you is the opportunity to, you know, play around with this and have fun with it, honestly. And we're not saying that you can never have a processed thing either, mm-hmm. you know, but by and large, this is, you know, going to make you feel making, amazing. Yeah. But maybe not making it a daily ritual, right? We're not trying to right. be dogmatic about anything, but we're also trying to promote what we know is actually going to fuel your body and right. really nourish your cells and everything else. So. Well, and it always goes back to what are you using food for, right. Right? right? Getting real with yourself, being honest about, you know, okay, I'm really feeling like I need some carbohydrates right now or sugar or whatever it is. And it's like that little pause to say, what do I really need right now? Mm-hmm. Am I frustrated, anxious, bored, procrastinating? putting off having a hard conversation, mm-hmm. you know, what, or am I just underfed? Yeah. Right. That's huge. Right. That is huge. Like I know for me for so many years, I thought, oh my gosh, I just have sugar cravings because I'm weak willed and I'm addicted to sugar. Oh my goodness. I just wasn't eating enough food for crying out loud. My brain was like, hello, you need to feed me. I need something quick. Like <laughs> I don't have enough energy. So, yeah, absolutely. so it's, it's kind of, um, yeah, not going straight to judgment. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's talk fats. Yeah, let's talk fats. Yep. So fats, we're recommending that you don't go under 35 grams. I think again, you know, there was, it's not as trendy now to go under with fats, but there was that whole period of time. I think mm-hmm. it was like the nineties and I was in it. Yep. Yeah, that for sure. I've had a few clients, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about fats and like, tell me what you know about fats. Mm-hmm. And they're like, fats are bad. Fats make you fat. And we're here to say, for sure. fats I wish are there was m- another name for fat. For dietary fat. fat. <laughs> Cause it is lipids. confusing. Let's it's confusing for people sometimes. So totally confusing. I want to, I want to honor that, but also to let you know, like, to just kind of hopefully we can help people if they are stuck in that mindset, rebuild a like, I guess, a trust in fats that they are good for you, 
that they are necessary. necessary. And a lot of people, they were struggling with brain fog because they weren't eating enough fats because fats help our brains function more healthfully and like Mm. more efficiently. And so it's just interesting how I've seen people cut out certain macros um, throughout the years and how we've had an increase in mental health issues and focus and, and people feeling just not great. Yeah. Right. So we're here to tell you that fats are important. Yeah. They're very important. No, I mean, I often give this example, but for many years, I would not eat a banana because it had one gram of fat. It wasn't because of the sugar in a banana. I mean, that was how dogmatic and how much I had bought into this paradigm. But of course, I would literally find myself eating an entire bag of dry bagels. Right. Thinking that, okay, well, it's fat free. So, you know, what can it do? And of course, my energy was literally on the steepest roller coaster you could possibly imagine. It was it was brutal. Add to that, my hormones were all over the map, totally tanked. So we have to understand that cholesterol is the building block of hormones. And where do we get cholesterol? We get it from dietary fat. So again, we're always talking about healthy sources of dietary fat. We're not talking canola oil. We don't want safflower oil, soybean oil, Mm-mm. peanut oil. All of these things are inflammatory <laughs> fats. So the, yes, these are prevalent in all of your restaurant foods, mm-hmm. in fried foods, and in all of the packaged foods on the shelf with very few exceptions. I mean, yeah. we found a few um, and there are more and more all the time, mm-hmm. but you have to really be a savvy consumer, yeah. right? And so this is where, you know, we always go back to, yeah, if you cook at home, you know what's in your stuff. So we're talking about, you know, healthy sources of fat are fats from healthy animals. So that's butter, ghee, lard from healthy animals, you know, pasture-raised organic eggs, coconut oil, coconut butter, MCT oil, a really high quality extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, avocados, nuts, seeds. Those are healthy sources of fat. Also, very important, fat from oily, uh, sustainably raised fish, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So your best source of omega-3 fish oil is from whole fish. So that could be salmon, sardines, mackerel, you know, it can be canned. That's the cheapest way to get some of the stuff. And if you do get like canned sardines or canned salmon, make sure it's wild caught and make sure that it's still got a little of the bones in there. You're going to get a really good source of calcium and you can't even tell, you know, it may have a little heebie-jeebie factor, but you know, I was like, you got to be real about that heebie-jeebie factor, but eventually it becomes more of a normal thing. Yeah. It's well, start with canned salmon. That's Mm -hmm. less of a heebie-jeebie factor than the sardines. sardines. But, (laughs) but that said, it's, it's literally my fast food. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I don't have food prepped, I grab a can of fish, Mm -hmm. you know, dump it on a bag of greens, have some primal kitchen avocado oil dressing, Mm -hmm. put a few nuts on top. I got a great meal. You know, in like a minute. So, so those are good sources of fat. But I'll tell you, going under, you know, around 30, 35 grams is going to be tricky for your brain function and for your hormones and for your satiety. You know, you're going to be hungrier. So, but I want to go back again. The, The most satiating, by satiating, we mean filling in the moment and having the ability to keep you full over the next few hours until your next meal. The most satiating things are protein and fiber from vegetables and water. 
Mm-hmm. So not just water you drink, but water in the vegetables, water in the potatoes. Right. So carbs and fats are not as satiating. I would, mm-hmm. Fats more satiating than carbs. Carbs, interestingly enough, actually can trigger hunger. Mm-hmm. They literally do not send the signal to the brain that, that we've had enough, that. which is why we can, you know, do the not eat just one or yeah, it's interesting. And and that, again, has an evolutionary purpose. You know, we would want our bodies to fill up on things. If we, in the summertime, if we came across honey or fruit, we would want to be able to eat as much of that as we possibly could to have some storage for stored body fat for, you know, leaner times. Yes. So there is an evolutionary reason that carbs do not send that satiety signal. Mm-hmm. Of course, our you know bodies weren't planning on living in this modern food environment, which is why we always go back to that term, this evolutionary mismatch, mm-hmm. that we're living in an environment that does not, you know, correlate with how we evolved to live. Mm-hmm. So we have to use our evolved brains to kind of figure out how to navigate this and make it as easy as possible. Mm-hmm as less stressful as possible. And that's like the theme of what we're trying to talk about on this Mm -hmm. podcast is how can we navigate this modern food environment in a way that doesn't make us feel neurotic or socially isolated or restricted or like we're the weirdo in the tinfoil hat. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can we just make this feel natural Mm -hmm. and abundant and joyful Yes. And nourishing. And I nourishing. Like I, I love yes. that word because I want it to feed not only our stomachs, but also yeah. our our mindset. Like that we're not we're not eating in a way that's stressful to where we're basically living our lives from a place of fear or from being fueled by stress. I feel like I know a lot of people that mm-hmm. they feel like to do things well, mm-hmm. they have to do it from a place of stress. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to offer a way that you're you're doing things naturally that help your body get in alignment to where this is easier. Absolutely. Not working against yourself by yeah. eating things that aren't satiating and aren't fueling your body. Absolutely. And what you're saying, you and I know from our practices that this is how it goes with clients. You know, it becomes easy. Yes, you have to have this kind of front and center to practice. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for most of us, cooking at home, eating real food is brand new. It certainly was for me. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was like, whoa, this is different. And yeah, it, took some time to kind of figure out what worked. But oh my gosh, sooner than you realize, this is going to be just how you eat. Mm. And that is, there's so much peace that comes from that. And then we're not tracking forever. The goal is not to be having this front and center for any length of time. You know, once you can kind of get in the groove with this, but again, you can have a short term, maybe body composition goal, whether it's to gain more muscle, in which case, you're going to fuel yourself differently, or it's to cut body fat. And your strategy is going to look different. So I guess, you know, let's kind of, we kind of want to, the last section today, we want to talk a little bit about customizing, Yeah. you know, and figuring out, you know, where to start based on where you're starting. Yes. So do you want to start with that, Jenny? Yeah. So we, we were discussing this earlier and I think it is so crucial that you really know yourself. You really know where you're at and how this is a priority in your life, right? Because in certain situations, if, if it's a priority, if it's a priority <laughs> yeah. right? step one, 
Um, but I know that in certain situations, people are prioritizing their job or they're in the middle of a move and there's mm-hmm. other things in their life where they're really not able to give it that um, full awareness and mm-hmm. attention that you need, especially in the beginning, yep. that gets easier over time, right? The other part is to really know yourself and like what is enjoyable for you. How can you do this in a way that is customizable, not only to your body, mm-hmm. but to your personality and Absolutely. to your preferences? Um, I'm more of an extrovert, mm-hmm. even though technically sometimes I can be, a, it's like an ambivert, right? right. So sometimes I need my alone time too. But sure. when I exercise, I like doing it with people. Right. That makes me really happy. If I'm in a garage by myself, um, forcing myself to do a certain amount of sets, like that is just not very fueling to my heart and my soul. And so making this something that's not only, you know, that isn't only good for your body, but also is is really fueling to your mind and your heart and just like who you are not to get too woo woo. But yeah, I'm very, very passionate about that and and eating in ways that feel, again, like they are nourishing for Mm -hmm. you and in settings that are nourishing for me, meal prep is really basic. I'm not going to get too crazy fancy. For other people, it's really fun for them to do that. Mm-hmm. They like the adventure. They like picking out new vegetables every week. Um, they like sharing it with people. And so knowing what makes yeah. you feel good as you're going through this journey yep. is going to be part of that process. Yeah. I, I want to go back to the first thing you said, though, You know that knowing yourself is really important. Well, I would argue that most of us have been taught not to know ourselves, yeah. not to pay attention to what works for me. That makes That's where we go into failure. It's like, we're trying to follow this plan, that plan. Then when it doesn't work, it's like, what's wrong with me instead of, huh, that's interesting. I wonder why this template isn't a good fit for me. Yeah. That's the approach we need to take. And I would argue that, yes, you can take cues from some of these, you know, kind of real food plans that are out there and then decide, okay, do I want to be on one that completely eliminates all sources of sugar for a given amount of time? What's that going to trigger in me? What's my history of dieting, of my relationship with food? Does that kind of approach make me obsessive? And all I can think about is that pink elephant in the room. That's what it does to me, for sure. I don't have any business trying to follow some kind of super restrictive plan I know for me, the way that I make this intuitive and easy is I eat three really good meals a day and they're abundant and beautiful and filled with the amount of protein we talked about, tons of vegetables, you know, a little bit of carbs here and there because I like that for satiety depending on the time of day. I'm going to make my meal beautiful, abundant, filling, satisfying, and then I'm not probably going to be even hungry again until it's time to eat again. Because I'm not bringing in processed foods, I really don't have to manage it very much. I'm making it easier Yes. on myself. Yes. I don't bring that stuff into my house so that it's not niggling at me and, oh, am I going to have the chips? Am I not? You know, mm-hmm. whatever it is for you. Right. Um, so it's really getting to know yourself has never been anything that's kind of been lauded or you know, encouraged. Right. And so what we're saying is don't be scared of this. This doesn't mean that you're having to do therapy on yourself. You're literally paying attention. Okay. So I had two eggs and half an orange for breakfast at nine, you know, maybe that was at seven o'clock at nine 45. I was feeling really hungry. Huh? 
that's interesting. Instead of going into judgment, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Hey, tomorrow, maybe I'm going to add some more protein or vegetables or another egg to breakfast mm-hmm. and, see, and see how I feel. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is not complicated. We make it complicated and we make it emotional and yeah. dramatic. Yes. This, this is honestly like, act like it's one of your children. If one of your children came home and said, gosh, mom, mid-morning at school, I was hungry, you're going to go back and reevaluate his breakfast. Mm-hmm. Get some, you're you know, objecti- say, hey, kid, objectivity. Why, why are you hungry? Yeah, How what's wrong you? with you? <laughs> right. You have no well, we willpower. Do this, we do this to ourselves so much. Right. And but so, objectivity so is one of the ways, if you mm-hmm. can, if you need to, if you need to almost think of your body like a child. Mm-hmm. That can be helpful. It can be a good kind of perspective shift to say, okay, I'm going to pay attention to what this child is telling me. Mm-hmm. This child is telling me that, you know, mid-afternoon, my brain is feeling sleepy. And since the brain, the body is not a super sophisticated sender of signals. Mm-hmm. It is sending us signals all the time, but they're not very nuanced. So say you interpret that as a sugar craving. That's your opportunity to say, gosh, do I need a break? from this project, mm-hmm. maybe get out, have a glass of water, go for a short walk, get some sunshine, mm-hmm. right? Just yeah. get a mental break or, you know, and, or maybe I need, you know, a healthy snack, maybe an apple with some almond butter, mm-hmm. something like that. And don't view that as, you know, any kind of a moral failure. This is you figuring out what works for you. And the chances are that if you're doing that, if you're feeding, if you're honestly assessing whether you're hungry, does real food sound good? Then you're probably really hungry. Yes. Genu- genuinely hungry, I genuinely should say. Hungry. Right? So if you've assessed that, you've gone ahead to have something, you have completely mitigated the likelihood that later in the day, you're going to fall face first into a pizza. Right. Because well, you honored that signal that your body was sending, right? right? You're in alignment with yourself. That's the key. You're physiologically, yeah, you're physiologically setting yourself up for success. That's it. The other part that I do want to add on to that, because I do work with people who, who do fall more into the extremes of eating disorders, right. even though I think most of us fall on the spectrum of having mm-hmm. some disorder sure. eating, yeah. um, is that if that is still a struggle for you, if you are still having a lot of emotions and stress around mm-hmm. food, and you have been mm-hmm. trying to nourish yourself in those ways, that sometimes it is really, I mean, I would advocate for seeking help. Oh, 100%. And seeking, seeking coaching, seeking therapy, depending on the severity of it, because there's so much underneath the surface that a lot of people don't so realize really like are kind of the puppeteers and influencing the way that we have a relationship with right. food. And this has been built throughout time, Absolutely. right? So when you're looking at your history to really become more real about that for yourself, yep. like what has this been, what purpose has this really served for me over right. time or how have I had a relationship with mm-hmm. food? over time. Um, so just to be aware that that's also, that's also a part of it for people and to have some empathy for yourself in this process while you're figuring it out. Um, there are resources, there are help. We'll talk about different things to help in those areas in future podcasts as well. Absolutely. Um, but that's definitely something I wanted to mention is really yeah. important to give no, yourself. It's, that's absolutely huge. And for, yeah. under, to me, understanding the science of what is triggering 
cravings, whether it's the food environment, whether it's, you know, my eating schedule, the foods that I'm choosing is really important. You know, I just finished yes. uh, Stefan Guyanet's book, The Hungry Brain. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's kind of showing us what is going on under the hood oftentimes that's triggering, you know, these cravings and making it much less likely that we can adhere to a healthy eating plan. Like, yes. you know, that's where the frustration sets in. You know, you have all of these good intentions. Why am I not doing it? What's the gap here between knowing and doing? Yes. Right? Well, that's what that book is all about is kind of helping understand and set yourself up for success. And that's what we're trying to help you figure out. But until you kind of understand how you work, what are my preferences? Mm-hmm. Right? Am I getting good sleep? Am I getting movement? Am I getting good social connection? All of these things are going to play a role because you're going to be using food for much more than fuel if those things are not in place in your life. If you're not sleeping, your likelihood of sugar cravings are about, you know, 99% higher. If you don't have good social connection, if you don't have things that you're lit up about in your life. Holy cow. I mean, if you're just kind of bored and humming along and food is your only entertainment, that's the one thing you look forward to after a depressing day at the office, then full I of mean, conflict. We're not, how I mean, can you possibly imagine that you're going to not eat the ice cream? Right. You have to address the underlying cause of what's sucking the joy out of your life. Right. That's not always easy, but at least the first step is getting aware of, holy cow, I'm relying on food for a lot more than maybe I should be. Yes. And, and that's, yeah, that's I mean, tricky. And I think that's our, our one of our differentiating factors of what we bring is that yes. we talk about the both and. I think people don't like Absolutely. to talk about these both both of these pieces. They either feel comfortable in the science or they feel True. comfortable in the psychology, but they yeah. don't necessarily bring both of them together. So we're saying that both are important. Yep. Both are very important yep. for setting yourself up to for success. Yep. We know our mind and our gut and our body mm-hmm. has this like, really integrated connections. Totally. So it is so important. The yeah. health of the body, they communicate with each other. So 100%. you got to get these, yeah. these Can't separate suckers the two. on board with yep. each other. Yep. So. Which is why if you're exercising and fueling with crap foods on a consistent basis, you know, you may not be feeling as great over yeah. the long term. So, so this is, yeah, it's all in the details. It's all in getting to know ourselves and getting to know what works for us. And we're just going to keep talking about this stuff. And we're so excited for you to send us questions Mm -hmm. and say, well, you kind of lost me there. Or could you go a little bit deeper into this area? You know, we want to hear your feedback. We want to know what you want to learn about, what you want to think about, or you know, yeah, this is for yeah, you. This isn't just a platform exactly. for us to necessarily talk, even though yep. we do love yeah, we <laughs> talking do. with yes, each other we do. and we love our tangents for sure. <laughs> but, um, but this is for you. So at the end of the day, we yeah. are so curious about ways we can make this helpful for you and feedback as to what, yeah, what you want to know more about yep. what is sparking your curiosity. Yep. Right. Yep. So reach out to us on our Facebook page, send us an email. All of those links are below. And we Mm -hmm. would just be absolutely honored if you would be willing to leave a rating and review in iTunes and, you know, help us get the message out to empower more people. I mean, that's our goal here is just to get so much of this stuff out of our individual little shame caves. Yes. We're all kind of over here thinking we're the only one. Let's be talking about this stuff. And you know, support each other. 
there's so much power in that. And I just think having this conversation amongst, you know, women, especially is just really, really powerful. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, we will uh, be back next week with another great episode. And so we would just, again, we would love to hear your feedback and questions. So please reach out and we'll start the conversation. All right. Tune in next week.